Okay, do a countdown and we'll get going. Are you telling me to do a countdown or am I waiting for you? Yeah, you're doing a countdown. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, so three, two, one. Hello and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Axel Wright, and with me as always is... Lord Commander Ulrich. And uh, how, how are you doing today, Ulrich? I'm doing pretty good all in all. All right, I heard that uh, Maya went to sleep early tonight, so that's going to be nice. Yeah, for like the first time in a week, it wasn't an hour and a half struggle, and that's no exaggeration. That's about how long it's been taking to put her down lately. You know, I recently was told by a coworker that this is you know, third-hand knowledge. He, he had read that when we're first born, our bodies, like circadian rhythms are our REM cycles. Uh, we'll sleep for one REM cycle and then wake up. And that's why babies will wake up so often. And that being able to sleep for more than one REM cycle is learned behavior. Like it's not normal for a human body to do that. You have to basically train your body to do that. So that as an, you know, as an adult, what's actually happening is you're kind of waking up several times a night, but your learned behavior is just, you know, brushing that part over in your experience. See, we never had that problem with her. She's always been a good sleeper. The problem is now because she's so smart, she has figured out that she has a degree of control in when she gets to go to bed. And if she fights it, she gets to stay up longer. So she's exercising that, you know, perceived right. And that's the problem we've come to is she's just a bit too far ahead of the curve and learning. Ah, well, anyway, let's move on. And we'll do our, our patron sound off real quick. So these are the patrons who we like to thank for their ongoing support. The list, I'm going to just go off the list that Ulrich sent me. We have Pam Galley, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Reed D, Stephen, and Arthur Crane. So if you are you know not on that list um, and would like to become a patron and just hear my probably very annoying voice say your name uh, or his you know dulcet tones say your name, then head on over to you know Patreon Geeks with Shields, twenty five cents an episode, dollar a month. You know, does a lot for us. So anyway, that. Uh, done. Let's move on to our topic, which is Ulrich has got some gripes about uh, historical films. And being a historian himself, I'm sure they'll be so wonderful to hear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, basically, this is one part angry rant, one part questioning the void, one part angry Ulrich rant. I already I had it on Twitter. I don't know if anybody saw that, but I watched... The King on Netflix. Have you seen that or know anything about it? No, I've never even heard of it. It's a quote-unquote, it's a new historical drama about Henry V and the Hundred Years' War. And I watched it, and it starts reasonably well. And then it skips off into make-believe land and ignores all the history that actually happened. And I'm tired of that. And that is the whole point of this episode. Why is it that you have big moments in history that have setups with great plots, interesting characters and epics. And time and time again, they go, no, let's, you know, make up our own stuff. And I don't understand why. So your upset is when historical fiction and uh, historical drama uh, deviates too much from history. Let me break down my biggest problem with the King. And a lot of people have this one. 
is the big highlight of the movie, the big selling point to build up to is the Battle of Agincourt, which is famous for medieval historians because it's one of the most one-sided victories in the period, you know, the English over the French who were vastly outnumbered and beat them through, you know, longbows and uh, better tactics. And I told Sonic, I'm like, oh, it's going to be really cool. You know, this is what happened. She's like, oh, this sounds very interesting. And then it happens. And it's just two sides coming at each other and rolling around and fighting in the mud. It's like, that doesn't seem nearly as interesting as what you described. Said, yeah, because this isn't what happened. So wait, wait, wait. This is a very specific example. Of, I can cite other uh, examples, but this no, is I don't know. But hold on, this, this is interesting because I know you're a, a historian of war specifically, and we've made mention several times that in high school, Ulrich and I uh, actually had nicknames based on the four horsemen, and Ulrich was war for a reason, and still to this day, whenever me and him. Uh, finish talking to each other. I say peace because as just you know, I grew up in Su in San Diego, which is normal for me. And then he responds war. And he just did that one day, and now that's what happens. So point is that, uh, and I'm a fan of you know HEMA, historical European martial arts, and so I you know I love you know concepts like this. And you're saying that hey, we've got this historical battle. It's interesting for this specific reason because it was done in this way. Now we've got this movie that is going to have probably a good portion of its third act, I would assume, be this battle, and maybe we'll get to see that So that that thing. That way more people, the average people, will know what I'm talking about, except that they don't showcase that at all. This is what you're basically saying translated, right? Yeah. They, okay, let me put this thing. Imagine they made a movie about uh, canine, and you got there, you got Hannibal, you got the Roman army, and then it descended into just a the, both the forces charge at each other and roll around in the mud. Would you be satisfied? Would you think that's better than what actually happened? You first said uh, I thought you said canine because I am used to calling it cane. So <laughs> uh, no, I, I understand your problem. I'm just making sure to get it into like I'm just know, trying to touch on as many historical battles so maybe I can get someone that goes, "Hey, I like that battle and it is interesting. Why would you choose to make it boring like that? Why would you choose How about, to go with the bland option?" Or uh, a good example for me might be um, I know you, you said Kanae already, but like uh, the final battle with Boudicca, which is depressing for a lot of reasons, but basically you've got a, a small force of uh, Roman soldiers who use a choke point to decimate a force far, far, far outnumbering them. So, and uh, yeah, no, there's a bunch, and that's the thing, I think there are a bunch of historical movies to be made that would be amazing. I think we've been saying it for years. Give us a Hannibal movie. You can have Idris Elba. It's not 100% historically accurate. I don't want to get into that one, but I just imagine that tagline: Hannibal, the man who challenged Rome. Yeah, I totally get behind that. And, um. All right. So, real quick, what do you think if this is this movie King, right? If you've got these people who made this film, this historical fiction, and they chose to incorporate this battle. What decisions do you think were made that led to it being done this way? Because, I mean, I haven't seen the movie, but one of the first things that comes to my mind is they probably looked at something like, you know, the Battle of the Bastards or things like that, where it's like, hey, you know what's really cool about this battle? How it makes battles seem like a horrible thing that's miserable for everyone. Let's just replicate that feeling, right? You know, a classic, it worked for someone else, so let's just do the same thing they did. Or do you think the Maybe it was just an ignorance thing. Maybe they don't know what 
um, was interesting about the battle. So they just filmed it the way that they imagine a battle might be. Or like, do you think it was an artistic choice or a lack of information choice? Or why do you think this happened? I think it's because movie battles have become lazy. They have become very redundant. They repeat themselves a lot. And I don't necessarily know why. And here's a fun fact about the Battle of Agincourt. If you don't think it would have been, here's one of the actual reports. The, it had rained the day before and the French knights charging up the hills were slipping and sliding in the mud and falling down and getting trampled and drowned in their armor by the guys trying to go over the top of them while getting shot with arrows. If you want to do horrible, gritty nastiness of war, there you go. Okay, so you, so you don't think that. So you, you. It sounds like you're falling on the the side of they just didn't know, like they didn't hire a proper historian or consult the historian. Need a historian, I don't think, because if you go on YouTube, there are a million and one armchair historians, specifically regarding this last season of Game of Thrones, that were there to tell them how they could have done it better, and I just, I don't think battles are done interestingly anymore which is kind of my problem with historical films is they're not no they're not interesting it's just two sides smashing into each other and lots of i believe of, uh i believe cinefix refers to that as gestalt action when it's just stuff happening and it loses um you know meaning or purpose yeah and i blame braveheart for this in a part because it won an oscar and so many people love braveheart and the more I've watched Braveheart, the more I don't like it for a multitude of reasons. And one of which being is after seeing so many, you know, battles in movies and going back and watching the battles in Braveheart that used to be so great, like this is just violent, but it's still a mess. You don't know what's going on. It's terribly paced. And that's another thing Peter Jackson talked about when he was making uh, Battle of the Five Armies. Like, well, I worry about you know, audiences getting battle fatigue. Like, they will not get battle fatigue if they know what's going on. If there's a clear, discernible, this side is winning here, this side is losing here, well, you can tell a story with it. It's funny you bring that up, considering that Peter Jackson made, you know, the Battle at Helm's Deep, which is one of the best on-screen, like, war depict or battle depictions I think I've ever seen, which, again, Cinefix referred to as a pyramid action. And one of the reasons why it works is because you always have a, a bead on you know who is currently you know leaning the push is is it the attackers the defenders what is the specific strategy being employed by each side like it's very easy to understand everything going on at helm's deep exactly and that's how they should be shooting these battle sequences but it's not it's always the michael bay school of put stuff on screen audiences will just follow along with it and it i have a question for you it doesn't have to be that so I mentioned Helm's Deep, but can you tell me a historical battle that's been put to film that you know of that does do it the way you want it to be done? I would say either Gettysburg or Waterloo are the two prime examples, and I recognize the fallacy in those statements. I, I don't, because I haven't seen those uh, movies. Okay, Gettysburg is the Ted Turner Civil War movie that he put a good fortune into that he hired historical reenactors to do the role, to, you know, fill the battle. And for the Battle of Pickett's Charge, he had so many reenactors sign up to do it that they were able to match the numbers of the actual Pickett's Charge. And Waterloo is famous amongst historians because, one, they built the battle, they rebuilt the battlefield, and then they got all, they 
dressed the guys in period accurate forms. They made them fight in the actual maneuvers and they had the actual numbers. So it was real people. But it was still, with that said, both of these movies went, this is how the battle proceeded. Let's put that to film. It actually happened and that makes it interesting because you can jump around and you can say, okay, well, this part's moving forward. This part's getting overwhelmed. And if you know the battle, you're like, oh, this is really funny. These things play out. If you don't, you're like, wait, wait, what's going to happen? Who's going to win? Okay, so what's the fallacy then? The fallacy is both those movies hired hundreds of extras and did it all practical effects. And that's just not a thing that exists in Hollywood anymore. Well, rarely, at the very least. I mean, that's why I love Master and Commander is the same reason. But I'm still saying, and you said with uh, the original Lord of the Rings, is they had a lot of extras, but they used CG. But they still understood that you can tell a story with a battle if you have story beats instead of just smash all the action figures together. Okay, so for purposes of this particular conversation, uh, is this gripe go beyond particular uh, filming of battle, or is this like where you want to keep the the focus? Oh, I have other issues because again, I, I griped on the king, but then it makes up, it makes up a bunch of stuff that doesn't necessarily need to be here. And I talked about it, I think earlier, maybe this year, with the outlaw king, the Robert the Bruce story, and I said, why is it? that they felt the need to cap this at one movie when he goes on and does a bunch of other stuff. You could have a series of movies that tells stories. I mean, the same thing with biopics, you know, they make these ones about presidents or, you know, historical figures, and they always try and cram everything in to, you know, one movie. Like you could do a trilogy telling their whole story. People are into coming out to see this movie because they're interested in that person. So why are you condensing everything when you could expand it? I suppose. <laughs> in some people, it's a short, like a Mr. Rogers movie. That okay, well, Mr. Rogers. Yeah. But if you wanted to do somebody big, like again, a Hannibal movie, I think you could at least do two movies in you know the build up and the second Punic War, and then everything that happened third Punic War, and with the siege of Carthage. I suppose I I think that uh, Admiral Yee should be turned into a film trilogy. Personally, yep. And I don't know why they're not doing that one, considering the Chinese market. I mean, technically he's Korean, but if they're seeing non-white actors, I think it sells. I'm not touching that one. So <laughs> There's a better way to phrase it, but I feel I'm not going to do that, that rabbit hole. Uh, but even see it, there's a great series on Netflix called Rome, Rise of an Empire. And it takes, it's a series that, you know, based around various emperors, but it's one part series, one part, you know, historians kind of talking in. It's like, there, this can be done, but nobody's doing it. They're just making it so lazily. They so is this like is this like the um, the war slash battle equivalent of shaky cam action scenes, where it's yes. like this is a cheap way to make them, a simple way to make them, and it is samey same. It takes away any uniqueness from what's interesting about a particular engagement, and it is just a way to fill time essentially. Yes, and I don't even know if it's cheaper, but it just it's lazy and it's uninspired and it's boring. I have become so bored of big battles and movies because it's always the same, and then they charged at each other. I mean, the last time I watched a battle on screen that was like 
actually engaging for me was the Battle of the Bastards. So yeah, and that one had, you know, a degree of military tactics and it like made sense. And it's like, oh, where where's this going? And Battle of Winterfell, that one's a mess for multiple reasons. But what happened? But the two lines charged each other and then everyone started wrestling around in the mud and dirt. Hmm. And you can have a wrestling match in the dirt if it's your crescendo, like we see with Battle of the Bastards. It's this last moment you're like, oh no, what's going to happen? Because I've been able to follow what's happening up to this point. It has reached this point, and I'm invested. I know what's going on. Instead of, again, I'll cite Battle of the Five Armies, these are two big CG armies that are all gray, mushing together, so you have no clear identity of what's happening in this battle. So... All right, so Hannibal's the what you want to see the most. You want to see it done in a, uh, you know, Battle of the Bastards and or Helm's Deep or, you know, uh, uh, Waterloo or Gettysburg kind of way. Um, do you have any, like, what can be done in the short term, I suppose, do you think, to address this? Stop copy-pasting them. Stop having every battle end in a brawl in the mud. Outlaw King did it and... And the king did it, and it was terrible. There are you. Uh, uh, Infinity War was able to have a big battle work because it had pockets of heroes fighting. So you had points of like, okay, they're gaining ground here, and then here comes Captain Marvel, and she helps, and now this part's moving forward again. It made sense. It was a clear story you could follow. It wasn't just a big mass of people. Well, I also like that with Endgame, they managed to. Um... Well, not just Endgame, but Infinity War 2. In both cases, when there were these big like army-on-army uh, -army battles, what they did is focus down onto a single point to move through the battle. Actually, similar to what Battle of the Bastards did, where it was always on John. But like in Endgame, how it's always on the gauntlet. So it says this gauntlet's moving through the battle. We see the various vignettes, but it keeps our focus you know, contained. It's interesting... Uh, but you still you knew what was happening. You knew who was advancing, who was retreating, and what it looked like around the battle because it was clear and concise and there was a vision to what was actually going on. Hey, before we get off of the, 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 the realm of, <laughs> you know, that kind of you know, sci-fi battles, which is a whole other thing. I, I have a whole, my own rant about um, space war personally, which is basically, I've never once seen space battles done in movies in a way that is close to what I think they'll actually look like. But that has less uh, real-world context than yours. I Expanse does that properly, but I haven't watched it. Anyway, do you have any finishing thoughts on you know our actual conversation before we go? Yeah, I'm hearing good things about 1917, and I, re I really I hope it's good because I want more historical movies that are good, that are not just period dramas about the British royals. Because I'm so tired of period pieces about the British royals. Yes, agreed. Anyway, thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do the various things that we you know do to help us because when more people see it, then we can grow. And if we grow, we can do more, you know, things like that. So, uh, Ulrich, what, what platforms are we on? Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and Pocket Cast. And if we're not on one of those and you want us on one of those, just let us know and we'll get on there because we want to be everywhere that you are. All right. Well, as always, this has been Axel Wright and Lord Commander Ulrich. Be sure to tune in next time. And as always, stay honorable. <laughs>